0: Chapter 5, rather Matthew, chapter 6, verse 5 to 15. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For I love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door, and your father who sees in secret, to your father who is in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. sacrifice of your Son, we can call you Father. Father, I pray that you would help us as we consider our own prayer lives, and, and Lord, as we've, we've seen that we often fall so short of what you call us to in prayer, Lord, I pray that you would give us, through, through the, the Word this morning, the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would give us a deeper understanding of what it means to have you as our Father. to you as your sons and your daughters. Lord, that we might grow in our prayer lives with the, the great understanding of who we are in you. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the model prayer begins, Our Father in Heaven. And there's so many things that, that you can, can pray when you begin your prayer like this. In order for us to pray through this prayer, through the model prayer, we need to understand what Jesus was saying when he taught us to pray our Father in heaven. Jesus was telling us the relationship that we have with God. He was telling us the relationship that we have with God through him. He he was telling us how we relate to God and how God relates to us. What image does the word father evoke in your mind? For some, it will bring to mind images of playing catch in the backyard or dinners around the family table. Or times your father read God's word to you or times that he prayed for you. Well, if you had that kind of a father, praise God, you are very, very blessed. But many fathers are nothing like that. Even these iconic fathers were far from perfect. They got angry. They let you down. They got their priorities wrong. But there are other fathers who are really at the other end of the spectrum. Some are abusive. Some are drunkards. Some are lazy. Some aren't even there. I've heard people say that they have a hard time thinking of God as father because of how badly their earthly fathers treated them. you need to be careful not to to let your own experiences dictate your view of Father. Whether whether your Father was bad or whether your Father was was good, you you need to understand what it means for you as a Christian, Christian to have God as your Father. No Father can come close to measuring up to your Father in Heaven. Any differences between the the most faithful father on earth and and the most disreputable father on earth, any, any differences are really inconsequential when you compare these men to God the Father. Likewise, you need to be careful not to let your cultural predispositions or presuppositions dictate your view of God as father. While fathers were represented as respectable men in the past you think of, of, of movies like like a wonderful it's a Wonderful life or TV shows like Father Knows Best or Leave It to Beaver. These men were, were respectable men. But think about how far it has is, it is gone and how far it is, it is sunk in, in, the, in the last few years with programs and, and like, like modern family or Family Guy, and I've not seen these shows, but from what I hear, that they, the, the men that are the fathers in these programs are, are really reprehensible. So in our culture, the, the, the view of father has deteriorated significantly, especially in the last several years. And what happens is these, these attitudes seep into our consciousness, and so fathers are disrespected in general. But the pressures there aren't just external. These pressures just inflame the the natural rebellious spirit that is in all sinners. People don't like submitting to authority. And they don't like submitting to their fathers. I think about myself growing up and and it was horrible the way that I treated my my parents. Even especially my father. Things, things that, that under the Old Testament, if I lived in that day, I would have been rightly stoned for the way I treated my father. We need to understand that that, that that God has a high view of fatherhood. Because he himself is a father we need to ask the question of how would would the people present when Jesus first preached this sermon have viewed fatherhood? Well, for the first century Middle Eastern Jew, fathers, had yes, they had a responsibility to love and to care for and to protect their children, but fathers in that culture also wielded great authority and commanded respect. That fathers were to be honored and obeyed. And that is how the Bible presents fatherhood. As a father is one who is to be honored and obeyed, you can see this all through the Old Testament. You see this in the in the direct commands from in Scripture, but you can also see this in the narratives, the way that especially we see this as, as the patriarchs as as they were to 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 be respected by their children. In the New Testament, Jesus repeatedly quotes the fifth commandment from Exodus twenty twelve honor your father and your mother, demonstrating that the command to honor parents is still valid. Paul reiterated it in Ephesians 6, 1 and 2. So that we are to approach God with with an attitude of respect, that we are to approach God as as our Father with with obedience and submission, is is really a, a given, from the scripture, but but the fact that He is that God is our Father in Heaven emphasizes the fact that He is to be respected. Our Father is not just our Father on earth, He is our Father in Heaven. So so what does it mean then when, when Jesus taught us to pray, Our Father in Heaven? Well, it's saying so much more than that God is just merely in another place. What it's really saying, what Jesus is teaching, is that our Father is on another plane. He's on another plane. He's utterly other and infinitely above us. Solomon testified of this in 2 Chronicles 6, 18. But will God indeed dwell with man on earth? Behold, heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you, how much less this house I have built. So Solomon had had built this glorious temple, and and within the the Holy of Holies in that temple was said to be the dwelling place of God, but Solomon understood that that God was was not just confined in that little room, that that God was was infinitely above, that God is is omnipresent, that He is everywhere, that He's also infinitely above us, above His creation, that He is holy. And so our Father, then, is is above all, observing all, and yet intimately aware of each one of his children. D.A. Carson describes the mysterious nature of this relationship. Though he is the Lord of the worlds, he always has time for us. His his eye is on everything at every moment, and we always have his full attention whenever we call on him. about that for a second. That when the saints are praying, that even if, if every single saint on the planet was praying at the same moment that our Father in Heaven, that your Father would be intimately attuned, intimately listening to each one of those prayers. Listening to your prayers. So to pray in this way, then to pray according to the, to the model prayer, means to talk to your Heavenly Father. And it means to talk to your Heavenly Father about this issue specifically, that, that He is your Father. So you, in doing this, in praying through the, this, this model prayer, you can confess your, your failure, you can confess your, your, your inability and your, the ways that you have not loved and obeyed Him as your Father and you could also ask Him to, to help you. You can thank Him for being your Father. That, that's, that's why we're talking about praying through this prayer, not, not just pray the words, Our Father in Heaven. You can say those words, but, but just when you pray, Our Father in Heaven, you, you really begin to, to pray the meaning of these words, the, the full impact of, of what these words mean in your life. So our... in. Your your prayers should communicate respect for God when you pray our Father. It it means that your prayers are grounded in an understanding of His authority. It it means that that He is your Father in heaven, not Santa Claus. It it means He's he's not there to, to just give you toys and candy. So to approach God as your Father means to approach Him with an attitude of submission, with an attitude of respect. When you pray, are you trying to get God's attention like a screaming baby? Or are you trying to dictate to him like a spoiled brat? Or are you trying to manipulate him like a scheming teenager? None of these things is what it means to pray our father. To pray our father is to seek to 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 to, to redirect your thinking to understand what the Bible says when it says that God is your Father. It means to to think about, about his attributes, and specifically then in this context, those attributes that are revealed in his fatherhood. Then when Jesus taught his disciples to pray our Father, he was doing this, remember, in the middle of a sermon where he was detailing what is wrong with the religion of the Pharisees. As John MacArthur explains, For the Pharisees and scribes to think of God as a father meant no more than to think of him as a lord, ruler, or king. In fact, in the thinking and the teaching of the Pharisees, it became even blasphemous to mention the name of God. That's how how much they'd missed the fact of who God really is. That the intimacy of God in his fatherhood, they'd gotten one aspect of it right, the respect and the submission aspect, but they'd so twisted it and so got it. Wrong in their understanding that it caused them, instead of going to God, it caused them to flee from God, to retreat from Him. And that is what Jesus is confronting when He tells us to pray, Our Father in heaven. McCarthy goes on to say that the Jewish saints understood in, in the Old Testament that, that the fatherhood of God, it, merely in terms of His overall care for the nation of Israel but they they didn't really see it in terms of the intimacy of God personally as their father. Joachim Jeremias conducted a search of the prayer literature in late Judaism and discovered that in no place in this immense literature is the invocation of God as Abba, the, the Aramaic or Hebrew word for father, to be found. It wasn't there in their prayer literature. You don't understand what that means. It means that they didn't understand that one of the core aspects of who God really is. Because they did not pray to him as their father. Jeremiah says that the significance of this is that Jesus, who was a Jew and a rabbi, was making a departure from tradition. And it wasn't just a, literal, a little departure, it was a radical departure. Like so much here, the, the teaching in the Sermon of the Mount, but what, what Jesus is, is really doing is, is taking things to a new level. He's saying that, that, that this is really what, what, the, what the scriptures mean. Just like he did with the, the, the commands. They thought there was this, this merely external obedience that they had to do, but, but it was an issue of the heart of a deeper fellowship and, and understanding and love for God. It's motivating your behavior. Likewise in prayer. It's not just mouthing the words. It's an understanding of of who God really is. That's what prayer really is. This is not vain repetition. This is the, the heartfelt cry of a child going to their father. So into this cultural understanding, Jesus injects an infinitely deeper understanding of what it means to have a relationship with God infinitely deeper understanding. God is your Father. Yes, to understand that He's your Father in Heaven is to approach Him with an attitude of respect and we really need to remember that because that is so often lacking in our own cultural interpretation. But it also means that we are to approach Him with an attitude of love. It means to approach Him with an attitude of love. When Jesus told us to address God as our Father, he was communicating that love is to be a central component, a central aspect of our prayers. So to pray according to the the model prayer means to talk to your Father in Heaven about this. It means to tell Him that you love Him. Again, it means to to confess your your lack of love and ask Him to give you more of that love. Isn't that that a prayer that, that your Father is going to delight to give you? He's going to delight to answer you, to to give you more of that love. The love of a child. Just that resting love. The the love that that is not dependent on external circumstances, but a deep-seated, abiding love. that doesn't change based on external circumstances. even more than our love for Him, the fatherhood of God communicates His love for us. That's really the main thing that Jesus is teaching here. He's he's teaching God's love for you. He's teaching God's love for you as His son, as His daughter. But even if love was absent from, from your home. Even if if your heavenly father and and the the love of your heavenly father is is nothing at all like the love or lack of love that you experienced on earth with your earthly father. Even if that was not there, then you you still have an innate understanding that it should be there. So for those who say that they can't understand the the love of God because of their earthly father, they're, they're really not looking to what the Bible teaches about the fatherhood of God. Thomas Watson wrote, if it be so unnatural for a father not to love his child, how can we think God can be defective in his love? God cannot be defective in his love because he cannot be defective in anything. He's eternally perfect and eternally holy and glorious and in everything. But just stop and think about the fact that God loves you. We say this. We say this has become this is a common saying in, in our in our in our in our community that, that God loves that God loves you. But but just really think about what that means. God loves you. God loves you. The God who created the universe folded together by His sovereign power, loves you. He is your heavenly Father. The God who is so holy that even angels have to cover their faces in His presence, loves you. He is your heavenly Father. The, the God that is so glorious that the new Jerusalem won't even need the sun or moon for light because, because he, His glory is going to light it up. He is your Father and He loves you. God loves you. He is your heavenly Father. Now although we were all created in the image of God, Genesis one 26 and 27 we weren't born with God as our father. But right? you understand that but that there's a sense in which which God is is a father in that in in that he in that he created all men and women in his image. But we are not naturally the children of God. Instead, we are all naturally the children of God. Instead, we were, all, we were all rebels against God. We were, we were allied with the, the world and sin and Satan against God. Ephesians 2, 1 to 3. But, brother Christian, Sister Christian, you have been adopted into God's family to the praise of his glorious. Grace, Ephesians 1, five. We are the adopted children of God. We're the adopted children of God. You need to remind yourself again of this glorious fact that the Baptist Catechism defines your adoption as an act of God's free grace whereby we are received into the number and have a right to all the privileges of the sons of God. You have all the privileges of being a child of God. There's a a great book, I'll refer to it in a moment, by by Russell Moore called Adopted for Life. And he he says, adopted is not an adjective. He he and his his wife have have two boys, we'll talk about this in a second, but but they don't call them our adopted children. He says they're our children. These are our sons. And so you are—you are not just God's adopted son and God's adopted daughter. You are God's son. You are God's daughter. This is the status that that you have been elevated to. You're no longer a child of wrath. You are a child of God. RC Sprole says that Christ is, is the only begotten Son of the Father. He is the only one who has the inherent right to address God as Abba Father, Mark 14, 36. He is the Son of God, dwelling eternally in, in the perfect love and unity of the Godhead. Yet, in Matthew 6, He invites the disciples and invites us into that relationship. Again, consider the magnitude of this, that, that you are invited into that relationship. Love, relationship, as adopted sons and daughters. You are sons. God has sent his, the spirit of his son into our hearts so that we cry, Abba, Father. Galatians 4.6 You have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Romans 8.15 Again, Abba is the, the Jewish or Aramaic word for father. And Aramaic was the language that was spoken by, predominantly by Jesus and the disciples in his day. But the cry of of Abba is often misrepresented in evangelicalism as the gentle cooing of Daddy. Paul's use of it in Romans 8 likely comes from the cry of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane in Mark 14, 36. Jesus cried, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. This is not a gentle cooing. This is a cry of need. Again, from, from a friend to Russell Moore, who was the, he was the Dean of Theology at Southern Seminary and, and is now the, the, the head of U.S. Ethics and Religious Liberty. Commission, and he's a major proponent again for adoption. He explains that, that such adoption is, is a beautiful picture of, of our adoption in Christ. That was one of his main motivations was to reflect the gospel in adopting children. He and his wife adopted two boys from Russia several years ago. Dr. Moore tells the story of, of when he and his wife uh, first went to Russia to begin the adoption process describing that the dismal state of the orphanages in that region (coughs) is abject poverty. With far too too few caregivers, the children would be left to sit in their filth. But what Dr. Moore says that that stunned him the most was not just the the condition, but he says what stunned him the most was the silence. Was the silence. He said, except for the sound of, of babies rocking themselves back and forth the, and, or with the crib slats bumping against the walls, there was nothing. No happy sounds of children playing. He said, not even crying was to be heard. He says, you see, this is because these children learned that when they cried, nobody was coming to help them. So they, they quickly learned just to be silent. When Dr. his wife was shown that the boys that they would be adopting, Sergei and Maxim, soon to be Timothy and Benjamin, again, the boys made no sound. For several days, the boys visited the orphanage and read stories to the the boys, even though the boys didn't understand English. The boys just remained silent. Then, after several days of this, came the moment that, that Dr. and Mrs. Moore dreaded. They had to say goodbye to the boys to, to await the, the legal paperwork to be completed. And at Dr. Moore's words, after hugging and kissing them, we walked into the quiet hallway as Maria shook with tears. And that's when we heard the scream. Little Maxim fell back in his crib and let out a guttural yell. It seemed that he knew. It seemed that maybe for the first time that he would be heard. And so on some primal level, he knew that he had a father and a mother now. He says, I'll never forget how the hairs on my arms stood up when I heard the yell. He said, I was struck maybe for the first time of the Abba cry passages in the New Testament, ones that I had memorized in vacation Bible school, and I was surprised by how little I had gotten it until now. These children learned that they had parents, that they had a father and a mother. And so they cried out for help in the midst of their pain. Whatever your earthly father was like, you have a father in heaven. You have a father in heaven who hears your cries. He hears your prayers. He's eager for you to come into his presence and to pour out your needs to him. He's eager for that relationship with you again, as, as Joachim Jeremiah explains, in the, in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus authorizes His disciples to repeat the word Abba after Him. And he gives them a share in His sonship and empowers them as His disciples to speak with their Heavenly Father in just as familiar, trusting way as a child could with His Father. When you understand the depth of your need and that God is Your loving Father, you will not be silent like those poor Russian orphans. You will call out to your Father in heaven for help. And you can be confident that He will hear you. Friends, that's what it means to pray the model prayer. We're not just mouthing the words, Our Father in heaven, we are going to God. We are calling out to Him as His sons and daughters. Confident that He will hear us. Psalm 103.11 declares that for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His steadfast love toward those who hear Him. Now that's a lot of love. But God loves you with a love that is infinitely higher than that. Infinitely higher than the heavens are above the earth. God loves you. God loves you with the same love that he has for his son. God loves you with the same love that he has for his son. If that wasn't in the Bible, I would not be able to believe it. But in John 17, in Jesus' high priestly prayer, he prays for those who believe in him. That's us that they may become perfectly one, now hear this, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. John 17, 23. God loves you with the same love that he has for his son. But God's love is even more astounding than that. What is the clearest demonstration of God's love for you? He gave His Son for you. The same love, the same Son that He loved for all eternity. Romans 8.32, He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? Consider what it cost for you to be able to call God Father. There are over 70 prayers of Jesus recorded in the Gospels, and in every one He addressed God as Father. Every one that is except one. The only time that Jesus did not address God as Father was on the cross. At the peak of his suffering, he cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lema sabachthani! My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Matthew 27, 46. Friends, we have been given the extraordinary privilege of calling God Father because there was a time that Jesus didn't. There was a time that Jesus didn't call God Father. And we must never forget that it is is only through the forsaking of the Son that we can call God Father. That Jesus bore in his soul, as Calvin said, the terrible torments of a condemned and lost man. Now there's mystery here. Because though, though the communion and love of the Trinity cannot be broken, God can never cease to be triune, nor is it a cry of despair even in that moment of, of utter horror, because despair in that in, before the Holy God would be sin. But as theologian Donald MacLeod explains, Jesus did not merely feel forsaken, he was forsaken. And not only by his disciples, he was forsaken by his Father, by God himself. It was the Father who delivered him up to Judas. It was the Father who delivered him to the Jews, to Pilate, and finally to the cross itself. And now, MacLeod says, when he had cried, God closed his ears. God closed his ears. The prayer that, that I prayed earlier, that, where Jesus prayed, if, if it be possible, let, let this cup pass from me. God answered that also in a no God closed his ears. The crowd had not stopped jeering. The demons had not stopped stopped taunting. The pain had not abated. Instead, every circumstance bespoke the anger of God. There was no countering voice. You can call God Father because there was a time that Jesus didn't. Now in in doing this, in in the sacrifice of of Jesus for us, he realized that that he was was actually answering the the fourth petition of this prayer. Rather, the fifth petition of this prayer forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. It was through the death of Jesus that we could be forgiven. This is a stumbling block for for Jews. And when you you talk to them, or when you talk to a Muslim, they, they don't believe. That that Jesus could have been crucified because they believed that Jesus was righteous. Because the Bible teaches that cursed is every man who is hanging on a tree, but what they don't realize is that Jesus was cursed. He was cursed by the Father. He was cursed by the Father for our sins. And that's why you can call God Father. Because Jesus bore your guilt. call God Father because there was a time when Jesus did it. Think of the sacrifice. Not, not just the sacrifice of Jesus as, as horrific as that was, but also the sacrifice of the Father. It would have grieved the Father horrifically for, to know what, what had to happen to His Son. But He did it out of love. Love for you and also love for the for the son because he was providing through that sacrifice a bride for his son, us. God the Father poured out his wrath on his son in your place. Isaiah 53, 10 says, it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. I've shared this story before, but I remember so well when when Liam was first born and seeing him struggling in the hospital. I was thinking, if if I could do anything to to take the the suffering that my my son was, was experiencing, if I could somehow take that on myself and bear that in his place, I would do it in a heartbeat. That came flooding in—the realization of what the Father did to the Son for me, to His Son for me, for you. This is the love of God, and that's why you can call Him Father, because because of this you can trust Him. You can trust Him in. Intimately, you can trust Him implicitly, you can trust Him infinitely, you can go to your Heavenly Father with your deepest desires, with your most heartfelt needs, with your your greatest concerns, and you can trust that He will hear you and will provide for you. And so to pray according to the, the model prayer means to trust that your Father in heaven loves you and will give you everything that you need. So to to pray according to the model of prayer means, means to go to your Heavenly Father in prayer. It means to tell Him your concerns. It means to tell Him your fears. It means to tell Him your doubts. It means to tell Him what you need. And you know that He can be trusted in all things, to rule wisely, to govern justly, to providentially care for you in all things. We see this in the fourth petition of the model, model prayer when when Jesus teaches us to pray, "Give us this day our daily bread." But we see this repeatedly in the Sermon on the Mount. We see this uh, in when he when he says that because God is your Father, you can you can go to Him confident. Because as we discussed last week, your Father in Heaven knows what you need even before you ask Him, Matthew 6, 8. You can go to Him confident that He will care for you since He even cares for mere birds and flowers, Matthew 6, 26-32. You can go to Him confident that your Father who is in Heaven will give good things to those who ask Him, Matthew 7, 11. James says it too in, in James 117, every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Unlike earthly fathers, your Father in heaven is never moody. He's never erratic. He never changes. He will never let you down. Now, if children naturally ask their fathers, For something in their time of need, how much more can the children of God go to Him? God is your Father. Martin Lloyd-Jones said that God is eager to bless you even more than you are eager to be blessed. Have you thought about that? That God is even more eager to bless you than than you are eager to be blessed? You don't even know how, how great God's blessing is. You. That's, that's what, what Paul prayed for the Ephesians in, in Ephesians 1, that this, this blessing that God is eager to pour out on, on his children, is, is, we can't even fathom that great blessing. And Thomas Watson said similarly, there, there is such a bountifulness in God that he often exceeds the prayer of his people. He gives them more than they ask. Just think about the blessings that you have received in your life. We talked several weeks ago that that in all of our circumstances we're getting better than we deserve. But just think for a moment about some of the things that that you have prayed for. And think about the ways that that God has has answered those prayers in ways immeasurably beyond what you're even thinking. And think about even those things that, that you thought you wanted so badly that God said no to. Think about the way that he's instead answered those prayers and later on in ways that, so that he gave you not what you wanted, but what you really needed. And maybe some of you here, there's, there's things that you're praying for, that you've been praying for for a long time. Just because God has not answered those prayers yet, don't think that that means that He's he's not going to. Whenever we pray according to God's will, we know that He hears us. So we pray to God confident that He knows best, and that He will give us what we need when we need it. Your Father in Heaven is eager to bless you. Go to Him in prayer. Because not only is he eager to bless you with, with answers to prayer, but is, he is eager to be in intimate relationship with you. He is calling you into your presence. Talk to your Heavenly Father. That's what it means to pray according to the model prayer. And finally, there's another important element the Fatherhood of God, that of protection. Now, we'll examine this in more t- detail in the last, p- the last petition in verse 13. Where Jesus teaches us to pray, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We think of God the Father as our protector. That is one of the responsibilities that we have as fathers is to protect our children. God protects us. Calvin affirms this saying, surely with good reason the heavenly Father affirms affirms that the only stronghold of safety is calling upon his name. Referencing Joel 2.32 father delivered his children out of Egypt and protected them for their enemies. He is likened to an eagle fluttering over his young, Deuteronomy 32.11. And each of these elements in the model prayer is in the model prayer but, but when taken into the context of the broader sermon of the Mount, it, it's evident that Jesus is taking this to a much deeper level, that he is actually revealing what it means for us to be the children of God so Jesus teaches us, he teaches his people to pray to help recover the, the sense of intimacy, of intimacy with God. But it's not just intimacy between, between you and God alone. It, it's corporate. Jesus says, pray our Father in heaven. You don't just have a, a Father in heaven, you have brothers and sisters teaching us in this prayer to pray for them as well. That, that, that when we pray through this prayer that this is there's a component of intercessory prayer where we're, we're standing together with our brothers and sisters praying for them. With, with a, an understanding that we've been unified through the gospel and that we have an elder brother Jesus and that he has, has brought us all into fellowship in God's family. And so their problems become our problems. What they're hurting, we're hurting. As we're increasingly aware of the needs within the family and increasingly bringing them to our Heavenly Father in prayer. I trust that as we walk through the rest of this series that that you will begin to grow in your understanding of what it means to really pray. And that this will, will certainly, as an introduction for you to to begin to really pray the scriptures, to understand that even just in those four little words, our Father in heaven, there is so much depth. And you can begin to pray the Bible back to God, confident that He hears you, because you are His child.